Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Joining us from Oxford, England, with her new book, A Marble Column, Jane Eyre in India, is former university academic, Cicely Havily. Cicely, good morning. Welcome to Saturday Mornings. And good morning to you. I wish I was in Singapore with you. <laughs> we wish you were here as well. Uh, Cicely, uh, many of us may remember Charlotte Bronte's classic novel, Jane Eyre, from our school days. In some cases, for some of us, it's been a few decades. Uh, refresh our memory, will you, about the, uh, the novel Jane Eyre and its importance uh, to literary history. It was a sensation when it was first published in the mid-19th century. It was thought to be a very dangerous book because it asserted the right of a young and friendless woman uh, to have ambitions, to treat herself seriously, uh, to uh, not kowtow to um, conventions, uh, to, to, to feel that she was a valuable person. And this was considered rather shocking, that hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful, that talks about the rich man in his castle and the poor man at his gate. That was what Jane Eyre was defying. And over the, um, well, centuries now, um, what, what importance has this particular novel played uh, in the lexicon of, uh, of literature and of teaching literature as well? And culture? Well, it's, it's the founding text, the, the grandmother of so much rom-com, Every, every heroine who takes down her hair and removes her glasses and is discovered to be beautiful is in some way a descendant of poor, plain Jane Eyre. <laughs> uh, but as I was saying earlier, <laughs> there's a more serious message of that too. Yeah, it's funny that you say, you know, I've never heard uh, the phrase rom-com used uh, in relation to Jane Eyre. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about that. How, do, how, do, how does that interplay look uh, in, in this original novel, which many people really, you know, myself included, felt was quite a serious novel? Oh, it's serious, all right. Jane is, is an orphan. Uh, she has no one to look after her but herself. And she meets this Byronic character, this not terribly pleasant character, but he is fascinating, Mr. Rochester, who becomes one of the two models for a kind of rather dangerous male sexuality in the mid-century. And the other one was her sister, uh, Emily's uh, Heathcliff, who, who really is a, a problem, I think. He's a, he's a nasty piece of work, but he is also endlessly fascinating. Mm. And to this day, Many readers uh, uh, still find themselves falling hopelessly in love with either Mr. Rochester or Mr. Heathcliff. <laughs> so Mr. Rochester was the bad boy, right? And, uh, and flawed but sexy, I think you described him uh, at, at one juncture. Uh, let's go he was flawed, all right. Yes, no <laughs> doubt about it. He had a, his, his sexual history is, must have been very shocking uh, mm. by Victorian standards. And he... He tells it all to Jane, who remarkably takes it in her stride, doesn't uh, faint away as many a Victorian heroine would do. 
and as we're talking about this uh, this novel, we have to remember the the day in which it was written, in which uh, things like this were not discussed in polite company, uh, and uh, and certainly not published. Right, uh, so this would would have been quite, as you mentioned, shocking during those times. And when I came to write my novel, I had to try and find ways of writing more explicitly about the sexual element of their relationship, but without offending the kind of uh, standards uh, that were, were felt in the, in, mm. operated in the 19th century. And that mm. was quite fun. Mm. I wanted to stay sounding a little bit like Charlotte Bronte. Sure. All right. Let's let's talk about that particular element in just a moment. But but first, let's let's introduce your novel. It's just been published, uh, available in Singapore and around the world. Uh, the name, uh, the title is A Marble Column, Jane Eyre in India. So take take us through the story. Where does it start, and and how does it go? It starts, I'm afraid, with an epidemic. Hmm. There were many epidemics in uh, the 19th century and their effects could be devastating. But it is over by the time we start the novel. However, it's left Jane deeply unsettled for reasons I... I'm going to keep a few secrets. I'm not going to give too many spoilers. Sure, no spoilers. Uh, That's good. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Jane is once again deeply unsettled. And although her She's been married to Rochester now for 12 years. She can't help thinking about the suitor she rejected, the missionary who went to India without her, without anybody, and whose letters have long since dwindled. Letters which would have taken six months to arrive from India at that time. And Charlotte Bronte gave the last words of her novel to this character, St. John Rivers, Uh, which struck me as an invitation to try and find out what happened. But I wanted to keep Jane and especially Rochester on the scene. So I had to find a way of getting them to India, which was no small undertaking in those days. So how did you how did you figure in a way that would be true to the original style and flavor of Jane Eyre that you could then transport uh, these two, uh, Jane and, uh, and Mr. Rochester, to India? How did, how did that come about? It was a difficult one. There had to be some kind of catastrophe in the background which mm. sent them on such hazardous voyage, uh, and it took six months. But journeys are times of learning, And the journey in the company of a character I grew very fond of, a bishop and his wife, who were also setting out to convert the heathen, as they used Mm -hmm. to say, um, was an interesting part of the novel to write because it prepared them for things they have not expected at all. All three of the main English characters are, entirely bewildered by India. They don't know what to make of it. It's too much. <laughs> I think you'd find a lot of people, even in today's age, that might feel the same way. <laughs> exactly. People, people talk about being changed by India mm, and, mm. and by their 
experience of India, even when it's quite a, a, a shallow one, short holiday. Mm. Uh, but to do what leaves the comforts of home, embark on a dangerous sea journey, includes the storm, um, and, and, and land amongst uh, the, the, the teeming streets of, uh, of, of a young Bombay, as it was then, is, is quite, a, quite an experience for a nicely brought up hmm. English young lady. We're talking with Cicely Havily, the uh, author of A Marble Column, Jane Eyre in India, which is a sequel to Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte from the 19th century. And uh, this book has just been published, available in Singapore and around the world online and through your favorite bookseller. Um, as a former university academic, uh, Cicely, this must have been, uh, first of all, to even take this on, uh, must have been uh, giving you a little bit of pause. And secondly, to do it in a way that um, that was true and honest and, and believable must have also been a huge challenge. How long did it take you uh, to conceive of this and then actually to do all the research and get it written? Well, the um, idea came to me quite a long time ago. But I suppose this book is another of the many unexpected fruits of lockdown mm. in the end. Um, but I knew, the, I knew the text well. It was one I always enjoyed uh, teaching, and I taught it many, many hundreds of times, probably. Men came to it thinking, this is girl stuff, <laughs> but very often were converted and, and, and found themselves deeply and emotionally uh, involved in it. Mm. Um, uh, but I'd also uh, my, my, have a, I'm married to India. My family uh, have family connections in India, so I and, and I read and studied a great deal about nineteenth-century uh, accounts of of India. So I was getting the background uh, long before I'd really thought about writing a novel. Mm. Uh, but this invitation leaving a character whose fate is uncertain at the end of a book, as, as Charlotte Bronte does, was nagging at me. And, oh, to cut a very long story short, I, I, it, at one point it looked as though I had a rather grave illness. Um, mm. And I suddenly felt I'd, I'd been meaning to do this. I'd better get on with it. And... Mm. In the end, uh, the symptoms, I had surgery, but the symptoms, it was, it, it, nothing happened. Um, yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, but I continued to write the book. It, I left it in the end. It wasn't going anywhere. But then COVID-19 happened. Time on my hands. And, <laughs> and, and once again, an inspiration to try and get something down. I've written a great deal of my life, but never a novel before. Mm. Well, we're certainly happy to hear that you are uh, back in good health and, and that that scare was just that, a scare uh, at this point. And, and also uh, that you made good use of a couple of years of, uh, of a global pandemic as you were writing about uh, uh, issues that would not have been unfamiliar uh, back in the 19th century. Uh, when you think about this current book and even the original Jane Eyre, 
what lessons uh, then are transportable to us today? What, what can we learn or what should we learn from, uh, from these two books? Ah, that is a difficult one, Glenn. But I know you're a professional. I, I know you can get this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that no matter what life throws at you, there's something to be learned from it. Okay. And uh, Jane and Rochester are really not in a good place when they start out on this voyage. Hmm. The shock of the epidemic that they've just emerged from has left them battered and nearly estranged. And uh, Jane um, is, so, is so determined to find out what has happened to the missionary she rejected mm. that she's really rather lost touch with the love of her life. And so the, the, the story is really about how uh, she rediscovers, she and he rediscover their very impressive, very moving relationship. But it's also about how a man as austere as the missionary was in Jane Eyre uh, can be broken down and then reassembled by the trials of life. Mm. Um, he does fall in love. He has his own love story too. And it's a rather shocking one by the standards of the day um, and leads to complete misunderstandings which have to be cleared up. But I'd like to reassure readers that there is a wedding at the end <laughs> and that it's not the one they might think of when they're in the middle of the book, uh, that uh, things seem to end happily. But the book also raises lots of questions because the three English characters with the best of intentions are causing trouble. They hardly know it, but their, their benevolent uh, deeds are actually the source of a great deal of mm. later trouble as imperial attitudes begin to harden up. Mm. There was a time in India when Things might have gone very differently, better. But, in fact, historical conditions at the beginning of the century tended to drive Indians and the British further apart. Yeah. Are, there any, are there any lessons there? You talked about the you know, characters breaking down to kind of reassemble himself and find out who he is and uh, amid the strife of, of times where there was uh, class differentials and there were uh, pandemics and there were all kinds of things going on. I mean, you know, you, you say that with, without putting dates to it and you could be talking about the year 2022 in many yes. ways and, and 2020 to 2022. Uh, mm. Was that, was that present for you when you were writing it? Is that something you tried to weave in or at least subtext, uh, have a subtext of it? When I started to write, no, it wasn't. It was almost as if history and the pandemic caught up with me. Mm. And I thought, my goodness, these are exactly the kind of situations uh, that uh, recur in, in, in history. Uh, the diseases of Victorian England were so devastating. Yeah. We forget that nearly half of all children born in the country would die before they reach the age of five. Wow. 
Wow. If you got beyond five, you had a decent chance of living to, <laughs> to three, four years and ten. <laughs> <laughs> but five, infancy was a terribly yeah. dangerous. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.